0: Steve Webb and Shane Coultra join me today for a very casual, unstructured conversation. Um, We talk a lot about um, Mike Carson and Steve Webb's partnership, about park.io, name base, new TLDs coming out, new technologies. Uh, Enjoy a very interesting, if different, kind of show. Media Options is the industry-leading domain broker specializing in domain acquisitions, high-value domain sales, and domain name consultation. As pioneers and thought leaders on the subject of the domain aftermarket and domain name value, plus through their clear domain acquisition service, Media Options offers startups and established corporations an unparalleled scope of high-value domain options, providing access to domain names and curation technologies not available elsewhere. Media Options believes in the power of a great domain name and is dedicated to helping you obtain yours. Call or email today to put a domain to work for you. FT was built by domain investors to increase your inquiries, sales, and profit. Forget spreadsheets and archived emails. Manage your entire investment portfolio in one place using a secure and completely confidential platform. Learn more at FT.com. That's E-F-T-Y fd.com. Hey Sherpa Network, I'm Tess Diaz, executive producer of Domain and today we have an interesting show. Um, we're bringing in Shane Coltra, our um, beloved longtime Sherpa. Shane of DSAD. Hi, Shane. How you doing? Hi.
1: Nice to be back
0: from a new location. You have more rooms in your house?
1: Yeah. I mean, when your kids moves out and you. Uh, empty nester you just try and you move room to room to room trying to find the best location and my wife works at home so now she's stolen the studio area that I use downstairs because she's on everybody's on zoom everybody has a studio everybody's busy so yep I'm just
0: wandering the home yep and I'm delighted to introduce for the first time on domain Sherpa (laughs) Steve Webb what's going on Steve
2: not much how's everybody doing this morning
0: Fantastic. Nice to see you and your (laughs) signature Park.io hat. That's of a few things that's showing up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Steve, give us a brief introduction of um, your role at Park.io and other companies you and Mike Carson are working on.
2: Okay. So I linked up with Mike almost a year and a half ago now. And so... When I came on board, I basically took over Park.io. And so since, I don't know, like June or July of 2019, I've basically carried the baton. So for anybody that doesn't know, Park.io started, I guess, 2014, 2015. And my, Mike was a one-man army for you know the better part of five years. And then I came in and kind of took over all of that work so that he could focus on some of the things that he had been wanting to focus on, but couldn't just because he has a family and, you know, lots of other obligations and park.io takes a lot of time as I'm now very familiar with. And so we're now pretty much solely focused on like individual silos. So I'm all about park.io and then he's all about handshake related projects. So I think he came on domain Sherpa a few months ago and talked about gateway.io, gateway.io, which we can get into, but it's essentially a registrar for Handshake TLDs. And then we have our own registry that we've built with the XCTO, the IO registry, and that handles all of the registries for different TLDs on Handshake. And so Mike's very much Handshake-specific. I'm very much Park.io-specific. I mean, we help each other out, but for the most part, like that's kind of what we're responsible for on the day-to-day.
0: Super cool. And how did you get into the domain business at all?
2: So I think like a lot of people, I mean, I've got a pretty random story and it's interesting because I was in SEO for a long time before I started working with Mike and I got an SEO also just kind of by accident. And so all of these, like most people's stories, I don't know a lot of people got into this on purpose, but I, the really short version and we can get into this is I got an SEO originally because I kind of checked out on my life. So I was in very technical roles. I got a PhD in computer science and was doing stuff kind of related to that. And then one day I just decided I'm, I'm over this. I'm burnt out. And so like, so literally sold all my belongings, went to New Zealand, lived in New Zealand for a while. And then for some terrible reason, I came back and started doing SEO and I started an SEO consulting company. And so I did that for a long time. And then in, I guess, my pattern, I also got burned out on that. And I'd already sold all my blogging, so I couldn't do that, like, trick twice. But I did, like, I bailed, and I went to Europe for, I think, like, three months, and was one of the oldest people to do the whole, like, backpacking through Europe thing. So I did that, and then when I came back, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and then just by a really weird stream of accidents, came across Mike, and we started talking, and then I guess the rest is history. And so hopefully, I mean, I'm not burned out right now, but hopefully I don't repeat my pattern anytime soon because. It's great for me, but it does tend to uh, cause some chaos around the people that surround me.
0: Well, that's okay. I mean, you have a very um, focused personality and what you're doing at Park.io is amazing. Um, So um, this is the funniest interview I have ever put together for Domain Sherpa. Um, I love um, talking with both of you and so somehow at NamesCon, something came up where you two, well, I was talking to Steve about having him on Sherpa sometime. And then Steve and Shane were just saying, we keep trying to connect. We keep missing each other. We have all this stuff we want to talk about. And so we decided to do it here. Um, so I don't yeah, know. I
1: mean, that's what the Steve, <laughs> Steve, that's what I love about domain investing is just, just interesting people with great stories. Nobody, like you said, nobody's born into this. Nobody comes out of college saying, this is what I'm gonna do. And I know Mike, I mean, Mike's as big of, uh, Mike Carson that he works with is a super introvert, but super intelligent and super driven. And just like Steve says, he likes to move around. Uh, Mike moves around pretty good. I followed Mike as we talked about before when he was doing his blogging and his trading and in and Hive and all these things. And then when Steve came out, all of a sudden Steve shows up, he goes, ah, Steve's who's been running it the whole time. And I go, You don't even mention anything <laughs> like this. And he said, Well, when it's really good, you don't have to. So um, so and then I met Steve at NamesCon and a great, a great guy, great personality, uh outward.
0: At namescon in person last in year. In
1: person, yeah, in uh in Austin. And not the opposite of Mike, cause obviously they get along well and they're both computer science kind of people, but, uh, I love talking to him And then we started chatting online and just another great, you know, I meet a hundred people at NamesCon and five of them, I continue to talk to regular and Steve was one of them right after. So that's the kind of person I enjoy. And it, the story is great and the future is great. So it's, uh, it'll be great to have him on here and just kind of listen to what he's doing and how he's doing it. And, uh, you know, that's why I want to be part. We might as well, if we're going to chat, we might as well let other people hear the answers to it because there's some interesting things behind it. So, and uh, backpacking stuff, that's a common thing. Uh, Aaron that works with me, he disappeared to South America for years. Just, uh, you know, you just, there's lots of people that find their way because they're finding their way and they, and online is it like that. You can make a living from anywhere where we go. So, now he doesn't have to stay. I don't know. Where where do you live, Steve? I'm not even, I don't even remember.
2: I'm in Texas right now, which I, it's not necessarily by choice because I was, interestingly enough, before, you know, the world became on fire, was like literally had one foot out the door and was ready to, to make a jump. And then obviously everything got locked down. And so, yeah, so I'm still in Texas. I don't know how long I'll be here. I mean, by the looks of things, probably for a little bit longer at least
1: where's the other foot though where's that jump you're gonna jump to uh
2: so that's what's it, it keeps changing now originally i was probably i was gonna stay in the us but i was gonna go like stay closer to some of my friends and then as soon as the craziness started i started actually like remembering oh yeah i really enjoyed like when i lived in new zealand but then it's almost as if i mean obviously the world's not conspiring against me but every time i had like this grand idea of like oh i'm gonna jump to this place boom, there was a lockdown, like, oh, yeah, we're not going to allow US citizens, which admittedly, you know, that's a good decision on their part. But still, so now I don't know, it's kind of a revolving door. But when uh, hopefully everything kind of calms down, it will probably be in another country again. But I don't know. I mean, I've got a lot of time to figure it out, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> True. So, so it's unrelated, but is, is that a calendar behind? Like, I've I love the painting behind Shane, but I can't figure out if it's just a painting or if it's like a painting slash calendar. It's a These are the, the hard-hitting a, questions, by the way. It's, a,
1: <laughs> painting oh, okay, it's just a painting of a frog that my daughter did when she was five.
2: <laughs> I like it. I guess it was the monitor, yeah. The monitor made it yeah, kind monitor. of seem like there was a calendar.
1: I didn't really set up the whole background very well. I probably should. I forget that people actually just stare at the back of your wall when, when they're, you're talking, if they're watching on video. I got I to gotta present a little better. I had a Bulls flag at one of the talks, maybe the online NamesCon talk. I probably got 10 texts and emails asking if it was an original 1990s Bulls pennant. And I was like, was yeah, actually, yeah, it was. It is an original Bulls pennant. But yeah, it is funny how people look at the backdrop. As well. Now you don't have any kids. You're not married. That's the other thing when you, no, we no. talk about, yeah. So you don't have any chains yeah, I, or any uh, wife, no chains.
2: <laughs> that is no. so, yeah, we will go. I mean, there's, there's a very long history obviously behind all that, but by design. Yeah. I still uh, am fairly free. Yeah. <laughs> well, the I mean, as free as any of us are right now.
0: Uh, yeah. The only thing that confuses me about your story is that you look like you're 22.
2: I know. And- isn't that great? I shave for this too. So like that knocks off because even in my like craziest quarantine beard, I still maybe look like I'm in my thirties. So that's the other So whenever I do these ridiculous adventures, it's okay. Like I can get away with it because everybody just assumes I'm a child. And then whenever I explain, Oh yeah, no, by the way, I'm a fully functioning adult man. Like, you know, you just see the shock of like, Oh my God. And the other thing that goes for me is when you're talking about personalities, I tend to be way more extroverted whenever I'm like out and about. So unfortunately, whenever I'm at my home base, I am more professional and serious. And so like whenever I leave, like, when I'm on these ridiculous little adventures. It amplifies the, the extrovert. And so I, I very much come across as like a dumb 20-year-old kid, even though I'm obviously not anymore.
0: <laughs> All right. Are you going to tell us how old you are now?
2: I'm almost 40. I mean, shockingly, considering I mean you can't tell because... I really do have the baby face going.
0: So you're the same age as Shane. Yeah, yeah.
2: exactly. We're we're gonna have a birth. We're gonna celebrate our fortieth together.
0: Yeah, yeah. No. We're going to
2: New Zealand to hike. I like. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that.
0: I think you know the the framing of it. Um, I think a lot of people with your technical expertise and personality do throw themselves a hundred percent into something. And there's a fine line between um, saying you're burnt out or just saying like you've given everything and you're ready for that creative um, break um, to re-energize and then start the next thing. Um, What um, You have a PhD in computer science?
2: Yes, which Um, it's debate. Like my advisor, very upset with me and has been for a while just because
0: are are we, are we bringing your advisor on too? (laughs) Uh,
2: probably not. He, I don't know that he's, I mean, we're on speaking terms, but I don't know that it's by choice for him. Like he's really just, I mean, just in general, anybody that, that knows anything about academia, they're very much stuck in their way. Like I won't say the whole ivory tower thing, but they very much think there's only really one path in life. And so if you go, if you go through a PhD program and then don't become a professor or don't become a researcher, it's, it's a very big shame in the eyes of your advisor, just because that's basically the only real path that they see as like an option. Because I mean, and in fairness, that's how they get all their money is through research grants and all that. So they want more people out there doing the same thing. So they have more partners doing all. So I mean, it makes sense, but uh, yeah, he he was very upset whenever, and candidly, I mean, he knew because from day one, it's very clear that I was not going to become a professor or a, a researcher, but still, he you know, always had that hope that his prized pupil would uh, follow in his footsteps. Sure. I don't know what your actual question was. Sorry, I just got off on a total tangent about uh, <laughs> the whole academia thing. No. That's
1: yeah, good. a lot of people don't know about academia and how what the you know what the deal is is because these professors uh, they essentially sponsor you or they raise the money yeah. to bring you on to pay for your graduate school and your PhD. So they kind of play in the game where they hope they raise the money for you, and then you go into research and add to the team that writes grants and brings yep. in more money. Because it it's not about teaching, not it, at all. So that's it's I mean, about it, raising funds.
2: It's actually really interesting because, and, and I can only speak for computer science, but I'm sure it's like this in a lot of disciplines. When you go to like a really big name university, you're where like they don't care about you. Like when you go to an MIT or a Berkeley or any of the you know top tier computer science programs. If you're an undergrad, like you are in the deep end and there's nobody to throw you a life raft because nobody cares about you. Cause like Shane was saying, the only, you're not making anybody any money if you're an undergrad, even whenever you're in grad school, if you're a master's student, you make the school money, but you're not making the professor money. So they don't care about you either. Ultimately the only people they care about are the grad students, like the PhD students, because to Shane's point, they're churning out research. They're helping write papers. They're helping write grants. And that's how, you know, the whole machine keeps turning. And so it's, it's really interesting because I went to, to Baylor, which I, nobody really knows what Baylor is unless, you know, about our scandals in our sports programs. But Baylor is by no means a computer science powerhouse. And part of the reason I ended up going to grad school was it's kind of an unwritten rule that if you're the top graduating senior, you're basically forced to go to grad school because it's like, you're our only hope. Good luck. Go to, go to grad school. Make us proud. And when I was in school, it was right at the height of like when the bubble had popped as far as the dot-com crash had already happened. And it was a wasteland, like getting a software job back in, it was that, like 2002, 2003. It was rough. Cause I mean, nobody, nobody knew what was going on because like, all the money had already been spent with all, all the VC funding that went into what was it like pets.com and all those great sites. Like, it was not a great time to be coming out of school. And so, yeah, so then I got thrown into the grad school, which is cool? I mean, I mean, I don't want this whole interview to be about, you know, grad school, but I will say, I, I learned a lot of valuable life lessons in grad school that I would not take back. I don't know that I would do it again, necessarily, but a lot of that stuff was great, and not so much, I guess, doing the because re- to my advisor's point, like you don't necessarily waste a Ph.D., but it really is primarily a research degree. I mean, like, if you're not going to be in some kind of research capacity, you don't really need a PhD. I mean, it's, it's definitely not a prereq for especially in software. I mean, you can obviously be the I mean, look at, uh, you know, Bill Gates, look at Zuck, you know, all these guys that don't even have degrees. I mean, obviously, you don't need a degree to write code. But again, I, I learned a lot of just like, how to live type things more in grad school than I did as far as actual technical stuff.
0: Huh. yeah okay how about, oh, go ahead. How, about no, go ahead. Um, how about seo um with your background and all the years you spent doing seo now that you're more building systems and working within park.io how um like how much does an seo person have to keep on top of things like is it like once you're not doing it all day, every day for a month, then you don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> what does that so look I'll, like?
2: I'll give you a dirty see And this is why I think ultimately I was not, a, I mean, I was very good at what I did, but I would always argue that I was not a good consultant just because I wasn't trying to fleece people. And so, I mean, I don't know that that's, you know, all consultants kind of fall in these buckets of either just trying to get all the money on the table possible versus trying to actually do what's best for the person. But in SEO especially, like there's, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen and a lot of people that are telling you, you need to do things you don't need to do. And like, and so I, this isn't always the case, but from my perspective, a lot of SEO is a lie. Like it's just, it's not nearly as dynamic as a lot of consultants will try to make you believe because you know, it's, it's like construction, right? Like you construct, whenever you go through these huge construction projects, there's great job security in that, right? Because the roads are always being torn up. There's always going to be a reason to keep doing construction. And that's what a lot of SEO consultants perpetuate as well Is like, Oh, well, you know, there's things, I mean, things are changing all the time, but they're not on these like grand scale things. They're just like, there's some minutia that if you're doing the right thing to begin with, you shouldn't even really care about. But from an SEO's perspective, like they're constantly trying to, to drum up this fear of like, Oh, you know, it's, it's constantly changing. You gotta, you have to keep paying my retainer because, You know, I'm the only one that's on top of what's going on, which in all reality is not the case. I mean, and I think this probably applies to a lot of things, right? Like, if you're really in the weeds, you can convince yourself that, oh, yeah, like, things are changing daily. But in reality, if you take a much larger perspective, they're not changing that much, as long as you don't do something crazy. So when people talk about burning domains, for instance, like, in in those cases, yeah, like, things are changing pretty dynamically. Like, if you're right on the edge and, like, you're doing – gray hat stuff or even black hat stuff, then, then yes, then you do need to be well aware of everything that's happening on a daily basis. But if you're doing on the up, like if you're doing traditional marketing, like real marketing, which SEO is kind of under the umbrella, if you're doing it correctly, then no, like then you, as long as you know the foundational type things and you know fundamentally what's sound then yeah, like you need to be additively doing stuff. Like you should always be marketing. You should always be trying to, to get additional outreach and get more partners and all those types of things. But it's not because you're chasing you know, Google's algorithms or whatever. You're just doing what you should be doing anyway, even if Google didn't exist. I mean, the types of marketing activities you'd want to do, you should be doing regardless, right? So, so the, the short answer, even though that was not short, is no. Like it's, it would t- I have I've been out of the game, like the, the game game for a couple of years. I'm sure it would take me a, maybe a day to get up to speed on like what really has changed in the past couple of years and I would be shocked if anything fundamentally like I'm sure there have been thousands of articles right that have said oh oh my god like Google said this and so you know just like any other industry like even in you know in our industry one news story turns into a hundred because that's just the nature of the internet now but did anything really fundamentally change no not really
1: but I got 500 emails saying that my site can be improved so I'm I think I'm need help, right? I just I'm, assume I'm surprised that. it's
2: only 500. I mean, I feel like...
1: <laughs> Every morning I get warned that I'm not doing the right thing
2: and that they can rank me number one.
0: Are those so I'll tell you... from Steve?
2: I, hey. I hope so. Because yeah. I tell you, I would get... That was my favorite part of being an SEO is how many emails... I feel like when I got an SEO, I got even more of those types of emails, which to me was obviously the most ridiculous thing ever, right? Like if you can't do two seconds to do the research to realize... Like even... And they would use like our agency site too. It's like anybody like with even an ounce of brains could figure out that our site is SEO related. So pitching SEO services to us is clearly a wasted email. Like you should be focusing far more on low hanging fruit as opposed to trying to pitch SEO services to an SEO provider. But
1: yeah, it's just a blanket email. But I figure between you and Sean Markey, I I pretty have pretty much have the best SEO I could ever have if I ever have questions. Uh, it's
2: what we should, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about, so, because I, I mean, I've been hands off on, so I'm affiliated with a restaurant slash bar, which is probably one of the more interesting industries right now, just because of the craziness. But since you also have like a legit business, I'm curious because I've seen, obviously, I mean, we haven't talked nearly as much as I would like, as far as how you've handled that transition, but I am interested in kind of what has been the most challenging thing for you in terms of transitioning the the nursery to be more kind of online friendly, I guess is the best way to describe it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think we're all in this industry where we know how online works and how our domain should be and the importance of this. But sometimes we don't go back and work on our own house. So, um, our websites aren't the best, but, I was already preparing and luckily I have Travis that I work with at DSAD who's an amazing coach, just an amazing person. He's the smartest guy I know. And, and the second that I had some issues and I said, we have to turn this thing on, we have to get online ordering sharp and easy. We worked on it, you know, 10 hours a day for a week, just trying to answer the questions that we, people would say, I'm having trouble doing this. So we'd switch that. I can't find the online order. Okay, as soon as you come to the website, the world's largest button that says order online. But I'll just preface everything and say I'm a trader, and trader, I've learned and been bred that chaos is an incredible opportunity. It's – I love it. I absolutely love when things go poorly and where things are crazy because that just presents the best opportunity to make money, to be a leader, to – just show what you've done all the time. So I, I loved it. I mean, I know it sounds terrible that people are dying and people are sick, but I just sat around and thought, somebody's gotta be positive. Someone's gotta lead everybody to the light of the tunnel. This, we're not, things of much worse have happened. I know, and I've said this several times, when they stormed the beaches of Normandy, that was loss. I mean, they were, pe- men were dying by the hundreds of thousands overnight. This is definitely lots of people dying, but compared to that, we can handle it. And so I just basically took the things that I think we needed to do and it worked. Ama- I mean, Travis was amazing. Our online sales were pretty much bigger than our regular sales were in a normal spring. And we just adapted to every question and problem that they had. We ha- I had the ability to work with someone like you do with uh, Mike, if there's a problem, you guys can fix it because you know what you're doing. And so Travis helped me know what I was doing when it came to those things. You know PCI compliance when it comes to credit cards? It's ridiculous. So PCI compliance is when you have a credit card and you, um, you do it online, and they wanna make sure that everything is safe. Is your IP safe? Is your, the little checkout box? Everything about it has to be secure. Well, I'd always had plug-in credit card machines, and I could answer three questions and say, and that was it. Now they're checking my IP at the nursery, my IP at my website, everything. It took me 40 hours to figure out, to make sure that that the company gave me approval to sell online. Nobody thinks about stuff like that. And when COVID's going on and you're worried about employees, the last thing that a small business owner is going to say, how do I get PCI compliance? I had, without Travis, I couldn't do it. He recoded the website. I talked to internet provider who recoded the box at a tower that feeds me internet to make sure that it was PCI compliance. That's what the problem with all these small business owners is how do they handle all that kind of stuff? Well, I know people like you that I asked you about SEO. I knew Travis. Um, That's what business owners have to do is set up a surrounding team that helps them, um, you know, answer all these questions about the internet and they're getting fleeced. Like you said, they, they said, Oh my gosh, I don't have an online presence and everybody's ordering through the web. So they pay some web company 20 times what they should really, what it comes down to is everybody needs to start setting up uh, and preparing for this is the future. This is how it's going to work. It's going to be online. You're going to have to be compliant. You're going to have to worry about something coming into your computer and hacking you and taking all your stuff and charging you 40 Bitcoin to get it back. Those Wait, are all parts.
0: What did you do? Someone recoded the box?
1: Yeah. So when they came in and, and checked our IP address, there was a, uh, like, a, so this is of- my, it, my internet provider. So we get wireless, we get one gigabit ethernet through a tower. So it's wireless, but the box that was our router that started before our nursery had not been updated and not been recoded to uh, proper standards. So they said, this this is outdated, it needs to be fixed. And I, I mean, I ran this scan, it's an 11 page PDF of the problems. And Travis says, I think there's a box at uh, your system that needs to be coded. So I called the owner of the company who I happened to know and said, I'm gonna send you an 11 page PDF of errors Do you think you can help? And he said, he looked at it and goes, I I think that's us, but I don't know, but we're going to redo it. So they spent Sunday, recoded it. I ran the error report and voila, there were no more errors, no no more 11 pages. But again, it's so daunting. Like I'm a nursery guy. I grow plants for a living. Mm -hmm. I just happen to know a little bit about it. So I know where to go. And I'm, and I'm also very talkative. So I talk to every if somebody comes in the nursery, and they say, Hey, I sell fly swatters, I'm going to write it down and put it in my phone. So the next time I have a fly problem, I call them. I mean, that's kind of how I do things. I know everybody to get it done. But that's where COVID. I think I was very uh, set up and prepared to handle all these issues, because I had a little everybody in my pocket but not everybody does, but I think everybody should, not just for COVID, but just in life. You gotta have a pocket, you have to have a Rolodex of life's problems um, to fix it. And that's again, a long answer, but that's kind of how I handled it is like, I just, I was like, all right, well, everybody else is screaming and running for the door. It looks like there's a wide open door. I'm gonna walk through it. And that's not just cliche, that's really how I handled it.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great attitude, great perspective. Um, Good for you. Um, Shane, do you buy .io domains?
1: Oh yeah. So, I it took me a while. It like uh, other people, I probably wasn't in it as quick as everybody else. But I was looking at my first .io is probably five or six years ago. Uh, and then on Flippa, there was a period of time where it was .info was super popular, and then all of a sudden .io on Flippa was the hottest thing. So I kind of got involved in that as well. But I have watched Mike do this whole thing because. The story has been told a million times mike and i were have been friends since 2007 and i watched him do his hive collaboration thing and then i watched him move over to park.io and then um, as they were building their registry um he built it with uh some guys i met at a conference as well that were local rockford friend well i shouldn't say rockford friends but from rockford illinois and and anyway long story short it just just all came together and then when Steve, if, if Mike picks Steve, then Steve's a good guy because Mike is, you know, he doesn't work with just anybody. I knew that he had to be just as smart as Mike and also be able to um, talk with Mike regularly. I don't deal with him every day, but I know he's an introvert and sometimes you have to peel away the skin of the banana to get to the conversation. So um, <laughs> yeah, so long story. I've been, I, have been I, I haven't been all in like everybody else, but... I did buy one, I do own the, uh, I don't think it's ultimate, but it's pretty, I own one, two, three dot IO. And I always say I'm the start of dot IO. <laughs> it starts with one, two, three.
0: That's cool. Steve, do you invest in domains?
2: So I don't necessarily, like I don't specifically, would, I'd say the company does, but it's more of an accident because you know, despite all the things we do to avoid payment related issues. I mean, there, there are various reasons why we end up with certain domains. And so I do, but it's indirectly, right? Like I don't actively, although I will say, I mean, there are times when, when no one orders a given domain and maybe that's, maybe that's a good indicator. So for extensions that haven't popped yet. So like GG, anybody that knows me, I, I spend way too much time promoting GG, which I don't get a kickback, which I should, because I feel like I promote GG better than the registry does and any of the other registrars. And and it's actually starting to hurt me because a lot of people are starting to buy G But for a long time, I was scooping up GG just because for whatever reason, I have this belief that it is going to take off, which, I mean, it already has comparatively. But when I look at all of the, the CCTLDs especially, GG for me is the one that has the greatest chance of having a 10 X at some point without it being absurd right now. Like, so AI is obviously doing really well right now, but you have to pay a significant premium right now, even at wholesale. Obviously IO is way more expensive now than it was five years ago. I mean, obviously there's no guarantee that GG is going to take off, but for whatever reason, like that's, I do tend to to gravitate way, way more towards those. And so I have a significant number of those, not as many as I'd like, but probably more than I should have. But it's only whenever there's no competition from park.io users, right? So as as soon as somebody orders one, then I we obviously don't have anything to do with that domain and it's totally for the users. But at least in the earlier days when I was around, people weren't ordering GG and so I was like, well, all right, well then we're just gonna I'll just order the GG for them because I love these names. And then uh I don't know, I again I wish I hadn't so especially like I feel like Austin is when I've really made the mistake because I was telling anybody that would listen to me like, Oh, you should get GG. You should get GG. And it's great. Cause I mean, I do, I like, obviously I love, I love everybody in our industry. Everybody should use park.io, but I do like some people a little bit more than others. And I'm glad that I made some of them kind of GG advocates as well. So I'm glad they got on board, but for the most part, I really feel like I shot myself in the foot and I should not, I should have waited at least like another year before I really ramped up the GG campaign. <laughs> Although having said that, I mean, it could, I mean, there's no guarantee. Like it could go to zero, right? Like in which case I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be anybody's friend because I've got everybody on board a train that crashed into the mountain, but I don't think that's going to happen. Although you can argue we're doing the same thing potentially with handshake. Whereas I think I, Mike and I clearly are, I don't know if we're at the top, but we're pretty well near the top as far as our belief in handshake and where handshake is headed and all that. And so, it's the same thing there where like anybody that will listen to me, I tell you should be buying even, especially TLDs, right? Because, and we can get into all that if you want to, but there's really no, like there's obviously a downside, like it could go to zero, but the the price that people are able to get really valuable TLDs right now is essentially less than what you would have to pay for like a good IO right now. Right. And so I don't know. I mean, I have a really hard time believing that it's not worth even if you think it's a complete gamble. To me, it seems like a pretty uh, reasonable gamble. And that's also how I feel about GG. But probably more, I feel more confident in Handshake just because the potential upside is way higher if everything kind of plays out the way we would like it to. And what's
1: the name of the website that you can learn about r- without describing it so they can just go, I forgot, what's the .o Namebase. web? Name, namebase.io is a, is a great place to just before, I mean, we can go into details, but unless you've read name base and go through, you're not going to understand basically what we're talking about or watch the old video with Mike, but it's yeah,
0: a video. Like I want to say maybe six weeks ago or something, um, yeah. with Mike, Mike, Carson on handshake, but, um, Steve, why don't you give us a quick synopsis?
2: Okay. So, and I would also, I don't know that we've talked, I'll, I'll, at the end of my little synopsis, I'll also give something I don't think other people have really thought about, which is there's lots of ways to get involved. It's kind of the overall takeaway, but the, the really high level explanation of what Handshake is, is in the current system, you have root zones for various TLDs, right? And they're, and they're centralized. Like there's a very small number of companies that maintain the root zones. And so the whole idea functionally of Handshake is you want to distribute that, right? So instead of having a, a select number of centralized managers of root zone, of .com, of you know, any TLD. You distribute it on the block because, I mean, blockchain gets a really bad rap because it is very much a buzzword and people have tried to apply it to everything even though it doesn't necessarily make sense. But the whole, like, if you know nothing about blockchain, all you really need to know to just get introduced is it takes centralized and it makes it distributed. And there's lots of cool cryptography and math that makes it work. But at a very, very, very simple level, it takes, like, let's say you're hosting something on one server and now magically I can host it on potentially unlimited server. I mean, obviously, it's bounded by how many servers actually exist in the world. And when I say server, I mean, it could be individual computer, like anything that can run code, basically. And so that's kind of what the real upside is for, for blockchain is it allows for a secure, distributed equivalent of things that are being done in a less secure, centralized fashion. And so in Handshake, the reason that's a great thing is it distributes those root zones And so now, instead of having one organization or a small number of organizations managing these very valuable things, which are TLDs, you can distribute it across a massive network. And on top of that, the thing that Mike is most excited about and I'm also pretty excited about is it opens up the namespace, right? Because so anybody that's in our industry knows ICANN is the one and only real body that governs all TLDs, right? So if you want a new TLD, you have to go through this incredibly lengthy and incredibly expensive process to get a new TLD. You're not getting it tomorrow by any means. Like it is multi-year and depending on who you talk to, at least six figures, in most cases, seven figures, and there's no real, real guarantee that you're going to get it, right? And so that's somewhat upsetting. I mean, Mike gets way more passionate about it just because this is kind of his baby and he really cares about it. I'm passionate, but I, I spend too much time on Park.io, so my passion kind of gets split. But what you really need to know is if you wanted a new TLD right now and you're not a Facebook or a Google or an Amazon, you're not getting it. I mean, like that's just the bottom line. And people in our industry have done a lot of cool hacks to try to get around it. Like we've talked to a lot of people that have lots of, I mean, we've also tried to get certain CCTLDs because there's just, there's lots of cool stuff that people want to do. And there's lots of innovation that could happen if they were only allowed to get these TLDs. Handshake allows that, right? So the whole idea, or not the whole idea, but one of the big takeaways is that you have access to these TLDs that in most cases, you're probably never going to get access to unless you, you know, ICANN decides they're going to release it, you know, in a year, two years, five years, 10 years, whatever from now. And so, like, so JS is kind of the best example for us. For the longest time, Mike wanted .js. So JS stands for JavaScript for anybody that does, you know, Front end and now back end development, and forever like he, you know, he can tell the story with better than I can. As far as like all like he spoke to some government and some I like he he did all kinds of crazy things to get his hands on .js, and it just didn't happen. But then with Handshake, like had, .js was auctioned, and I don't know, if I don't think we got. I think actually Namebase owns .js, but now and they've actually allowed I think some huge number of JavaScript projects to just have it essentially for free. And so the thing that we've been trying to do, you know, for years, was done through handshake, right? So now all these j- JavaScript developers have access to a .js domain, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you have a JavaScript project, it makes a lot of sense to host your project on a .js because that just it makes sense from a banding. I mean, a lot of these ccTLDs have kind of been co-opted. So like .io is now for tech, basically. .gg is for gaming. .co is kind of you know universally for company, but you don't have to play those games if you can just have the TLD, right? So like JS naturally makes sense because JavaScript has already been baked in as .js, like that's the file extension. And so you just, you get a lot of cool innovation and just from jump by virtue of now having the TLD, but then also you don't have to deal with the red tape and all of the crazy restrictions and the concerns with people taking away your TLD and all these things. It's all distributed and secure and away from kind of one centralized governing body. And I realized this was supposed to be like a really short, quick overview, and it's now a meandering thing about the philosophy of Handshake, but.
0: Just, yeah, to hang. And um, I I like the combination of the two of you where you can give this super technical, um, longer background, and then I can say to Shane, so Shane, have you bought any of these? Like, what's the practical application for the average Joe? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, well, I've talked to Mike. So I go to the auctions every day. I go and watch them because they, au- they, they tell you what's coming up and when it's coming up. And it's in uh, it's in Ether, right? I think it's in, no, no it's in Handshake it's, Coin.
2: Yeah. HNS, yeah.
1: Yeah, HNS. So it's in Handshake Coin. And um, yeah, I mean, I bid in some of the auctions as well. The problem, and he didn't mention it, the problem is it's in the only browser right now is what, Brave? No, what, what browser is it working?
2: So that's and the the technical issue with handshake right now is it's not like the browser, you can do it with any browser, but you have to change your DNS. So it goes kind of at the operating system level. And that's kind of going to be an issue. If you're not a developer, it's not, I mean, you can change it. It's just, you have to go to next DNS right now. And like, they're the only real, like big provider that provides, but it's because, and just really quick, just to clarify this, handshake doesn't take away from any of the existing, right? So like, all of your .coms and .nets and .io, everything still resolves the same as it would if you weren't using Handshake. Handshake just gives you access to all this other stuff, right? So it's basically existing internet and everything else, right? So if you change your, your DNS settings to point to a DNS provider that can resolve both Handshake and we'll say non-Handshake, you're not gonna, it won't change anything for you. Like you'll still be able to access everything as if you normally would but you now also get to access everything else. So it's, it's not so much the browser, because any browser will work as long as yeah. you change the DNS settings.
0: That's, and but, we but to, actually did oh, so a walkthrough on my computer. With, like I, I switched it over to a screen share and Mike did a walkthrough with me. Um, so I'm just looking up real quick when that show was so people can reference it. Um, yeah, yeah. And... But to
2: Shane's point, I mean, that to me is... Once that gets, th- and, and it will be fixed when, oh, well, the other thing is you don't have to change. You can also run, this is more technical, so it's less likely that if you have problems with the DNS, you're not going to do what I'm about to say. But if you're really interested, you can run a full handshake node, an HNS node on your computer. Very much the same as if you wanted to, you could run a DNS server on your computer, right? So if you're, if you're really into tinkering and like you, you know, all the words I'm saying make sense, then you should just run an HNS node on your computer because that's the easiest way to do it. If none of that makes sense, then don't try that because that's going to be probably more of a headache. You should just change your DNS settings. And unfortunately, I don't think there'll be wide adoption of all this until that problem gets resolved, right? And then that gets resolved when when Google DNS decides to also start resolving Handshake, when Cloudflare, like whenever more providers allow for the option and not just NextDNS, that's when I think the general public will be more aware. But to Shane's point also... So Unstoppable Domains, is so there's essentially three pro- projects that are kind, they're trying to do different types of the same thing. And Unstoppable has the, the browser issue that Shane's describing because Unstoppable actually uses a completely different protocol. And so I'm not here to throw dirt on anybody's, pr- I mean, everybody's trying to accomplish cool stuff. I'm all about inclusion. We should all, you know, but I will say it is more of a challenge if you're trying to convince developers to develop in a brand new protocol and have to do special things versus just changing a DNS setting. But that's neither here nor there. I'll just say, from my perspective, there are more hurdles, even as a developer, to do certain projects versus others.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, but,
2: but so, again, having said that, I'm under no illusion. I mean, there are, technic- like this is not super easy for the general consumer right now. Like there is absolutely some tech savvy associated with it, right? Which will hopefully not be the case in the future but right now absolutely you have to at least be a little bit comfortable with some tech stuff to get it up and running
0: well um so i filmed with mike on june 15th and we did it on the show and it took like a minute and a half and then i had to reboot um so um, even though I think you said a lot of things that were interesting and possibly intimidating for some members of our audience, I do want to say, if you want to buy stuff on Handshake or, um, um, or go to namebase.io, you can. And this blah, blah, blah problem is like a minute and a half to fix. Go look at the screen share. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I always compare it to, remember when everybody was hacking satellites? Um, there was a point where you could write a code and it would erase your card. So there was three stages. The first one was only coders could do it. You would write a code. It would scrape your card. Everything you purchased was off the card and you put the card back in. Really only people had super tech could do it. And then it came to the point by the end that you could buy a box that did everything for you. And so that's of course when it all blew up and everybody got arrested and everybody got sued including <laughs> myself cuz i was stupid and dumb back then but but that's kind of how i look at handshake when it comes to a point where it's plug and play then everybody who's in this now will become wealthy will that happen i don't know but yeah. you know you're investing in it the concept is fantastic it's a little it's not scary to dot com owners it, it just opens up more. It just is again. It's more opportunity, and that's what I love about Mike is, uh, and Steve as well is they. That's how the future is built. Um, for there, I mean, there's been plenty that didn't work, but you can imagine all the other things when people are saying, you know, Twitter. I got we have an internet messaging amongst our company that's fantastic. I think it'll catch on, and now look, everybody uses it. So. I, it'd be silly not to look into it and not to uh, buy a couple names. If there's something, some hobby or something that comes up, to spend $1,000. I know 1000 thousand's is a lot for a lot of people, but we spend $1,000 on some pretty ass names, pardon my language, some bad names. So to buy a couple extensions and just wait uh, is, is completely worth it. So I'm, I'm not in the boat, but I'm at the dock waving at them.
0: So, so
2: (laughs) so, there's also a couple of like, just to make it really concrete, like there's a number of ways you can participate even and and one of the ways I'm going to mention, I don't think anybody's really talked about, which is a shame because there's lots of ways you could potentially make money right now, even if you don't, even if you don't have kind of the long term future view that Mike and I have, where we think, you know, this potentially could change some things fundamentally. At the at the base level, so the easiest way to participate, Shane already mentioned, right? You can go to namebase.io, they show all the auctions. There's auctions happening every week. I don't know, like, I forget, it. there's still at least, I'd say, 20 weeks left of the big, like, there's, because a lot of names have been done already, but it's essentially one year of a lot of names that are being auctioned. And they're spaced out because they don't want just one, per. like, they basically didn't want people like Mike and I to get all the names, right? Because if they had done them all on week one, like Mike kind of literally were around, basically around the inception of this thing. And if we had been given the opportunity, we probably would have bought every single one of the TLDs. And so smartly, they made it so that we couldn't do that. So that as pe- more and more people become aware of it, more people can participate in the auctions. And so that hopefully we don't have the current situation repeat itself, which is a few players controlling everything. And, and they so, held
1: back the f- Alexa 1000.
2: Yes. So the, the Alexa 1000 is... Blacklisted for a, I think it's like three. I I need to check how long. Everybody that owns, so all the existing TLDs will never become available. So .com, .net, .org, everyone you're familiar with right now, you'll never have that collide on Handshake. To to Shane's point, the Alexa one thousand, like I forget what all is in there, but if you check, if you can go to NameBase, it'll say you know reserved or whatever. I think those are restricted for like three years or so. Only because and so if the, and if the alexa, if the owner can come in and claim them then it'll never be allowed right so if you own one of the alexa 1000 and you come in and you can verify that you own that domain you instantly get the tld in which case you now own that tld and you own you know whatever.com or whatever the, the actual domain is and so that's that's cool. so that's the easiest way to get in right is to go to namebase participate in an auction and it's the smartest way to participate frankly because you own the tld like you now are so like I own web, right? My last name's web. I own web. I don't know that I'll ever do anything with it. I don't even, I didn't even really want it, but we, Mike got it for me. So we have it. So I have web and it's cool because we have a lot of other ones that I actually did want, but I also have web. I've, I've never been one of those people that like I've never had steveweb.com or anything. But if I ever decide that I want to have a vanity, you know, URL or email address, I got web. You can very easily do the same thing for you know, any of the TLDs that are available. The reason that's the easiest is you can now do any number of things with that TLD, right? So the thing that's really cool about owning a TLD that nobody's really thought about because it hasn't been possible up until now, unless you, again, were this massive company, is you not only get to subdomain all of those, you can do any, I mean, like, it's literally an infinite number of possibilities. Like, you can have your entire app running on the TLD. And so instead of having this very specific, like, space of land on a .com or whatever, you own the entire DLD, so like, you can have any any second-level domain plus any prefix. I mean, any suffix. It's any path. It's crazy. Like, it's literally you could do anything you wanted. And the best part, obviously, is nobody can take it away. As long as you don't lose your key, you've owned it forever. Like, there's no organization that can come in and say, "Oh, guess what? We're gonna take away .web from you." Like, nope. I own .web for you know as long as the uh, handshake blockchain exists. And even when it doesn't exist, I can still run a node. I can keep it alive forever. But if you don't want to do any of that, right? If all of that sounds intimidating and you don't want to own a TLD, you can also buy normal domains, right? So like all, m- most of the people listening to this are familiar with domaining. They've bought whatever domains. If you want to buy a domain off of one of these TLDs, that's basically one of the big things that Mike and I have created, or mostly Mike and James Stevens, which is the ex-CTO of the, IO registry that was bought by Affilius. He is the one that has created our registry system. So it's essentially the same level of security and robustness and everything as IO has ever been. And so if you want to buy a domain on JS, API based, I mean, there's a ton of TLDs that are currently being resold on 101 domain and circa gateway.io. If you just want to buy a domain, you can do that right now. Like if you've always wanted to have some cool .js domain, totally possible right now. If you've if you have some service that has an API and you want to buy something, you know, service.api, you can do that. The thing that I don't think anybody's ever talked about, at least publicly, you can also like, since this is not restricted by ICANN or anybody, if you want to create a registrar, you can do it. Like there's nothing stopping. Like if you want to sell these domains that I'm talking about, like if you want to sell .i, .js and .api and all these others that are available right now to the general public, You could do like, there's absolutely nothing stopping you. Like if I was looking at kind of the landscape of domaining right now, the literally the cheapest way you could make money is to do what I just described, because if anybody's familiar with, you know, domaining at all, if you want to become an ICANN accredited registrar, it's not cheap. And if you have zero money, you literally could still create this registrar for handshake TLDs. You could have it up. You could you know, send us an email, support at park.io or you know, Steve at park.io, Mike at park.io, whoever. Contact any one of us. Tell us you have a registrar and you want to sell these domains. We'll hook you up. There's no fee to, to do what I'm describing. And then you can start selling these domains. Because, I mean, that's, that's essentially what 101 Domain and Encerca is already doing. I mean, obviously, they're already established registrars.